0: I'm Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind, where we talk about what it looks like to thrive in motherhood as the free, confident, joy-filled women God has called us to be. Is right around the corner, which makes today's episode so so fitting as I chat with Dr. Morgan Cutlip, a relationship consultant and advisor. Um, Today, Morgan and I we talked about longevity and happiness in our relationships. We talked about how even moms of little ones or moms who are in that season of postpartum can really start practically cultivating more happiness in her marriage. Um, We talked about rebuilding physical, and sexual intimacy. Uh, We talked about, um, you know, what to do when a mom may be struggling mentally or emotionally to take those first steps in reconnecting with her husband. And we talked about what it means to have a rock solid marriage. So I am so excited for you to get to hear from Morgan. I really do believe that this conversation is so important for us as moms. Um, I know that this season for us can oftentimes be challenging when it comes to having that connection and having that intimacy with our spouses. But that's why it's even more important that we are having these conversations and able to really process these things as well as figure out what our next steps might be. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Morgan. Hey, Morgan, welcome to the podcast. So happy
1: to be here.
0: Thank you for I'm having so, me. Yes. Yes. I'm really excited about this. I think that our listeners are going to really be fascinated by your work, um, oh. which I know <laughs> we'll get into. But before we do, can you take a minute to just tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are, um, your family, your family? what sure. the season of life looks like for you right now, and then maybe even a little bit about my love. Thanks.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I'm a PhD in psychology and I've specialized in relationships since I can remember, I wanted to be in psychology in second grade. Like, so this has been kind of on my heart <laughs> for most of my life. Um, so yeah, so I really kind of rounded out my academic career and just my work has all been about relationships and so that's really where, where I live day to day in my work. Um, I'm from Ohio. I am a far, far away from home because we live in Southern California now. But i um, from Ohio and a farm girl at heart. And I married my high school sweetheart. We've been married 11 years now. Um I know sometimes I feel like you lose credibility of like being a marriage veteran when you're like, oh, I married my high school sweetheart. And they're like, of course, like that's all you know. <laughs> but um, we didn't date that whole time. We had a lot of years where we were apart um, and ended up coming back together on MySpace, which is kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> that dates me a little bit. So um, we have two kids. I have a six, we have a six and a half year old and an almost four year old Effie and Roy. So we're just in the thick of it with, um, with little kids. So I think you asked my season of life. I, I thought about this and, and if I had to describe the season of life in one word, it would be full, mm-hmm.
0: um, in a good full, way, I hope. full <laughs> in
1: like, yeah, I think full in lots of ways, full in terms of, you know, I get to be a full-time mom and so I feel full in gratitude and just, just so lucky that I get to be there for all the things, right? To be a part of stuff, to do pickups and drop-offs, and that's such a privilege. And I'm so thankful for that, and just full of love and wonder with our kids and our family. Um, but then also full in terms of schedule and busyness, and just the normal, I think, overwhelm that so many, so many moms feel when they're just trying to do all the things. So I, um, I'm a full time mom, but then I also work three days a week um, at our company called Love Thanks, actually, I can tell you about. And then I see some relationship coaching clients also, and then doing, you know, all the stuff with the Instagram and everything else. So it just feels full in so many, in so many ways, but mostly
0: all the good ways. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, w- oh, hold on. I do have a question because yeah, I, when you just said that, you know. From a young age, you wanted to be a psychologist, that this is like a passion that's kind of been stirring for a long time is this because of your father's work? Because yeah. I just found out after doing a little bit more like research and learning more about love things, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's a father-daughter yes, thing. So it tell is me about that. I'm trying to
1: work better at actually putting that out there. So when I was really little, my dad went back to school to become um, a PhD in psychology. And I was already in like kindergarten, first grade. And so I sometimes would go to classes with him and sit in on his coursework. And then um, we would play this game when we would drive in the car where he would present me with a case and I would try to figure out what was going on. So it's usually like a family case. What do you think is going on with the little boy? What do you think is going on with the mom? And we would play this game and I would come up with ways to help them or questions that would be important to ask. So I feel like, I mean, in some ways I was like, I'm kind of groomed for this (laughs) by my dad. Like, what, is this an experiment he was doing? But um, so it was just kind of something I really enjoyed this way of thinking from a young age. And then my dad, um, he started, he was in practice for over 20 years in Ohio, and he started um, noticing patterns. And the way people would respond to the question when they were in a, when they were in a relationship that was unhappy, he would ask them, "Did you see this before? Did you see this? You know, before you were married? Did you see this when you were dating? Did you?" And um, the answers were either usually, "I did," but we were so much in love that I just overlooked it, or I didn't really even know what to pay attention to. And so, from this kind of information he gathered over the years. Um, in his private practice, and then by doing tons and tons of research, he developed a course for singles, teaching them how to pace a relationship so your head doesn't, over- your heart doesn't override your head, and then the key areas to look for in a partner. And so this was the beginning of Love Thanks over 25 years ago, where he developed this course because he felt like one of the best way to help marriages is to go upstream, mm-hmm. and to really talk to singles. And teach them and empower them with the tools necessary to choose really good partners. And so um, I was kind of through in high school as he started developing this course. And since then, we've worked together and we have a couples course, parenting course, family course. And I just kind of grew up in it with him going to conferences and speaking at conferences with him. And so now we've been working together for over 12 years officially. And it's such such an honor. He's got so much wisdom. To give So that's that's the story of Love Thanks. My Love Thanks um, came out as sort of like we didn't have tools or resources um, for the general population. A lot of what we did in our work was teach people to teach our courses in workshops or different things like that. So we would train them. Um, but we didn't have anything for just the general population. We weren't putting out any free information into the world, and you didn't access any of our stuff unless you went to a workshop or were an instructor. So I started the My Love Thinks blog as well as my Instagram a couple years ago, just to offer more more stuff to the general population. As well as um, our online courses are now available, so people can access all of our stuff from home. So.
0: I love that. I love <laughs> I love your just your passion for this because I think yes. that it's such a needed like a, a needed field of knowledge. I mean, that sounds such like a weird thing to say, but the more we know about what goes into having happy thriving relationships, the more we can cultivate those happy thriving relationships. Exactly. So, I love that you are shedding light on some of these things that are, you know, they're maybe very psychological, but if we can just grasp them and get the tools that we need, we can take advantage of that knowledge and and just build marriages that really last. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Kind of walk me through what are some of the biggest factors that go into happy marriages, long-lasting relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think that um... – one of
1: the biggest challenges throughout the course of marriage is staying connected through the expected and unexpected aspects of life that just naturally pull your relationship apart. So if you just think about all the things in life that, that will pull you away from your partner, it's endless, even wonderful things. I mean, the obvious is you know having kids but even things like job promotions or relocations or things that are really wonderful can put a strain on your relationship. So one of, um, I believe, is one of the biggest factors is having an attitude or just belief system that it's normal to have the closeness in your relationship be challenged. And the next step Past that then to be successful in navigating these things is for both partners to share responsibility and managing the relationship then. So checking in when things start to pull you apart and you feel kind of that experience in your relationship where you're like, oh, I just feel kind of out of touch or I'm feeling kind of distant, or wow, we haven't been on a date in like months, right? All these things that kind of naturally happen when life gets busy for both partners to take some responsibility for managing the relationship and making these adjustments along the way so that this closeness doesn't, or this disruption in your closeness doesn't become chronic. Because a lot of times that's what can happen is that we just start to drift apart. And before you know it, we look at each other and we're like, we don't even know you anymore. So really taking responsibility for managing these sort of disruptions that just naturally occur throughout the course of marriage. Um, another one that's not talked about a lot, but I think is really important, is maintaining a positive attitude toward one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, it, it happens over and over again throughout the day, how our attitude sort of shifts about how we think about our partner and how we feel toward our partner. Like if you wake up in the morning and you get in the shower, you come out of the shower and you look down and you see your partner's clothes thrown all over the floor, your attitude can shift in a nanosecond to be having like a great opinion of them to being annoyed and irritated. Right. And what can start to happen is we can start to take these things personally. Like, oh my gosh, like he doesn't even care. That I'm trying to keep the house clean or he doesn't care about all the time I spend putting away the clothes or all these little deals really we can start to collect and then have a chronically negative attitude toward our partner and that becomes the lens through which we look at them right and how we how we treat them how we talk to them it can become really um tainted by this attitude so I think it's really important for us to understand that we are in charge of managing our attitude toward our partner. And when you're dating, you do really want to collect little examples of things and start to put together a picture of what they might be like. You want to be more discerning when you're dating. When you're married, you want to be super forgiving. You want mm-hmm. to think of everything as a yeah. little deal. And um I always love this quote. Benjamin Franklin says, when you're dating, you want to keep your eyes wide open. And when you're married, half shut. And that's Mm. so important. So having an attitude that it's normal for your closeness to get challenged and taking responsibility for managing it and then maintaining a positive attitude toward one another is so, so important.
0: Absolutely. And when you're talking about, you know, taking responsibility for your marriage. What about when you're in a relationship where you are doing a lot of that work, you are putting effort into maintaining that closeness, but your partner is not? What happens then?
1: Yeah. And I think usually this imbalance is toward women, right? Women are usually the ones who are managing all the stuff Right? Managing the kids, managing the schedules, managing, now managing the marriage. Are you kidding me? You know, it's all these things and all these conversations around mental load and emotional labor. So, this is a really important thing to talk about. So, um, one thing that I suggest is to schedule relationship management meetings. Um, In our couples course, we call them huddles and we provide an outline. Um, for people to follow during these meetings like an agenda right so you can just kind of work your way through it um, and the, what this does is that it takes the responsibility of managing the relationship off of one partner and it makes it a shared role so hey grab your calendar every monday of you know first monday of the month or every other week however often you want to do it we're sitting down and we're checking in with each other and it's on both our schedules and we're just doing it and it's not the wife's job or not the husband's job, but it's a shared responsibility. So that's one way to kind of spread that out in the relationship versus one person feeling like they are doing all the work for both partners, which can be so, so frustrating. So I think that is incredibly important and can be really helpful in kind of balancing that out. I think um, another thing, though, is if if you've, you've tried these things and your partner is just not jumping on board, it might be time to bring in, bring in the pros, right? It might be time at that (laughs) point. If you feel like you're, you're really exhausting all your options and you're reading the self-help books and you're reading the marriage books and you're, you're just not really getting
0: anything on their end. It might be time at that point to pursue counseling or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good wisdom for sure. Um, I know that a lot of my listeners are new moms. They're in that season of Having babies and maybe toddlers, or maybe like really, really little newborns. And yeah. speaking from experience, and I know you have almost definitely experienced this, there, <laughs> there are so many challenges that come in those early years that yes. can really affect a marriage. And I'm just wondering, like, what kind of wisdom can you speak to that particular season of life? Because it, it's so unique and so. I guess, like, such a big transition. Like, I, I just wonder, like, how do you even begin to to cultivate more happiness in your marriage when you are just thrust into this new role and it's so big and intimidating?
1: Yes. Ugh, this is such a big question. Um,
0: so, first off,
1: and I know some some might be like, that ship has sailed for me, but I don't <laughs> believe it's ev- it's ever too late. But one piece of advice I always give is involve dads early. Um, there's a research study that I love that I read, and it was um, it was interviews with a ton of with a bunch of new moms, and it was about their transition and how how smooth it was, how happy they were, um, postpartum depression and anxiety, and all these different aspects that they experienced right after introducing their first child into their relationship. And the the women who did the best were the ones who just tossed their partners in, right? They were like, hey, you've got this. I'm heading out to run some errands. There's, (laughs) you know, I'll be back when it's time to nurse or there's a bottle in the fridge or like, just figure it out. Uh, And I think that a lot of us are really guilty of feeling like, Um, things need to be done a certain way or our way, that we don't let our partners kind of jump in there and figure things out for themselves and give them the space to do that. Um, And ultimately, when we do that, we benefit, right? Because then they can jump in to help and then they're more experienced and we can build their confidence with working with little babies, especially. So my first piece of advice is get them in there early. And I actually did a really terrible job of this In um, our marriage and when we first had kids, because when our daughter was born, my husband, I was in Florida and he was in California. And so I didn't have a lot of help for around the first, it was a long time, like 10 months. Um, And it really wasn't until our son was born that I just started tossing him out there. And the first time, I'll never forget it. It's hilarious. But the first time was take the kids to the pool. I'll meet you there in a couple hours. Just kind of like, <laughs> get, get, give me a minute. Like, I need a minute. I'm losing it. And um, I showed up to meet them at the pool, and he had not packed clothes, diapers, water, sunscreen, <laughs> snacks like, nothing. He had no towels. He had no towels. I had never asked him the kid. So he wouldn't even have known. I guess my point is this throw them in there early, let them fail. Everybody will be okay. And let them learn. And that can really take a lot of the pressure off later on and um, Mm. increase a lot of the happiness and satisfaction in your marriage. Another is, um, you know, one of the most common reasons when you look at the literature for divorce is growing apart or falling out of love. And I kind of think of these as the same, the same reason. And it's sort of this gradual process of almost like death by a thousand cuts, right? Where I was talking about earlier where you kind of wake up and you realize like, I don't even know you anymore, or man, you haven't met my needs in so long. Like I'm so, I have so much resentment towards you. We can't come back from this. So I go back to this, this idea of having these regular check-ins is so important, especially when you're first becoming parents together. You know, moms go through such a major identity shift and the loss of freedom and the increase of responsibilities and all these things are changing. And so it's that much more important to have time to sit and talk with your partner and, and allow them to hear what's going on with you and be a support to you. So having these regular check-ins um, when you can both schedule, it takes the responsibility off the, the mom from having one more thing to manage, but also allows for a place for your marriage to to be the center of both your attention for a little bit of time. Um, another thing that's important for new moms is, is just to prioritize the marriage. And I know that's pretty common advice, but it's not advice that we always follow. It's easy to get caught up in our role as a mother and to, um, just get, just get busy, right? Just get busy with the kids and be exhausted. And so it's really important to, to prioritize the relationship make time, um, any time for the sexual Relationship, all these things. It's incredibly important to keep that the forefront of your mind. That you have to maintain your marriage because your kids will ultimately be that much stronger if you have a healthy and loving relationship.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah. Um, um, that piece about really intentionally making your marriage a priority. What do you think that looks like? How how can a mom practically do that starting today if that is something that she realizes she has not been really being intentional about lately?
1: I think that it can be even the smallest little things. So um sometimes it could be something as easy as um sending like a flirtatious text message to your partner <laughs> during the day. You know what I, I mean? Love it's, that. It's, It's changing up what's been the norm. So look at the norm and make some small adjustments. I know, um, sometimes even just when you're, when you're both, let's say in the kitchen at the end of the day and you're cleaning things up or you're walking by and touching each other or hugging one another or making these, these small things to let them know I see you, right? You're here. You're important. I am attracted to you. I see you. And, um, just just making your partner feel like a priority. I mean, obviously things like date nights are important if you can if you can figure those out or even date nights at home after the kids go to bed. So it might be just switching things up out of what has been your normal. Hmm. If your normal is to hop into bed, turn on Netflix and both pass out before you've made it <laughs> five minutes into a show, which can be a really common pattern, try something different. Don't turn on the TV sit and talk for 20 minutes before you go do that and catch up with each other. Um, So it it doesn't need to be an extravagant thing. It doesn't need to be hiring a sitter. Um, It's just making small changes in what the normal routine looks like. And I keep harping this point, but also
0: having these marriage meetings can be such a game changer
1: in your relationship.
0: Mm, Definitely. Talk to me about attraction. And what (laughs) I mean by that is, I know that from my own experience after I had our eldest it was like I didn't know if I was even attracted to my husband anymore <laughs> like you know there there's all the hormones oh. the decreased sex drive that is so common but for some reason no one talks about it yeah. and it's like what how, how how can you help women kind of find that attraction again if they feel like it's been lost oh gosh
1: it's so it's so big, isn't it? I, yes. It's like hormones, I cannot stand hormones. So I, <laughs> it is. It's it's such a it's such a massive change after you have kids, and like you just said, the hormones that shift and all the things changing in our body, and us getting comfortable with ourselves, and figuring out who we are and what our needs are, and the whole concept of being touched out. All this stuff comes into play. So. I think a starting point when you're, um, you know, when you're noticing that your sex drive has changed uh, in your marriage and you're struggling with that area, I think one one natural starting point is to rule out possible causes. So, um, I actually have a free resource on uh, my Instagram and on our blog, which is like a low libido checklist, which kind of helps Ooh, sort these things out, so I people like can down- download it for free. <laughs> but like. I think like a first step is like, what's going on with me? So it could be something, it could be something with your hormones. It could be something actually physical or medication or some sort of imbalance. So it's worth investigating some of those causes. Um, So then if you get to a point and you realize that things are pretty much normal, it's just that you're struggling to really be in the mood. uh, There's... This advice is not one that you might love, but just do it is basically my <laughs> advice. Because sometimes, you know, it's like the less you do it, the less you want to do it. Mm, yeah. So so you have to just be willing to get back in there. And I think it's important to have conversations around the sexual relationship after kids and if things are changing. Um, because when you are the partner with the lower drive, you really are really in control of the sexual relationship. It's a very powerful position because the other partner is kind of waiting around for a yes, where you hold the, the key, whether it's a yes or a no. So having some conversations around things like um, how you would like to be approached for sex or for intimacy or foreplay or any of these things, what you like, what you don't like, and how what is an acceptable way to say no is an important conversation to have because yeah, um, you're allowed to say no and the other partner needs to know that this isn't, you know, a big deal. Right. But also how often can you agree to say yes, hmm. which is a very important flip side of that. So um, having some of these conversations can be incredibly important. I think there's other things just to remember about the sexual relationship that can help sort of shift uh, a mindset to be more willing to engage. And um, one of those is that, you know, when we talk about needs, we tend to just lump the sexual relationship in with the rest of the needs, right? Whatever. Like I need a compliment. If you want, you want sex, give me a compliment. Like we start to just kind of like, think of it as similar and on the same playing field as all the other needs. But the reality is that sex has, there's physiological components that are involved when we have sex. They create feelings of closeness. Certain hormones and chemicals are released. And so it's a higher order need. So one thing is do not minimize the importance of your sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. re- kind of readjust your mindset around that and realize this is a really important to both me and my partner that we prioritize our sexual relationship. So, don't minimize the meaning of it. Try to adopt an attitude of having sort of like mutual caretaking for each other's needs. And if this is one of your partner's major needs, I um, mean, it's a need in all relationships, but if it's especially important to them and you're not in the mood, try to come from a place of, of caring for your partner the way you would want them to care for you. So, if you have other needs you want met, you expect them to be met just like you should meet this need. Them. Um, another thing to remember is it's not really fair to make unilateral decisions about the relationship. And this just seems to be one area where that happens a lot more. And so to remember that you know your partner might not have a lot of say when you are having gonna have sex and when you're not, if you're the one kind of having the power and the control there. So Imagine if your partner was making unilateral decisions about the relationship, how would that feel? So some of these things are just helpful to kind of nudge people in the direction toward being more open to working on their sexual relationship because I feel like sometimes it can just get tossed aside or feel a little bit too exhausting to address.
0: I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I the having a low libido checklist, I I need to check that out. And I'm definitely going to be linking to that in the show notes so that listeners can check it out too. Um what encouragement can you give to the mom who maybe she's in that place of okay, I know I want to build a stronger marriage, I know I want to make this a priority again, I want to make sex a priority again, even. But yet, still, there's some sort of mental or emotional roadblock that yeah. is standing in the way between her and taking those first steps toward intimacy. What kind of encouragement can you give her?
1: Oh, i um think first is that you know reach out and ask for help if you need it, mm-hmm. and whatever that yeah. looks whatever that looks like. Um, There's so many incredible resources available these days through social media and blogs and then professionals who are just so wonderful at what they do. And so if you need to receive some sort of encouraging words or quotes or pep talks, like reach out and seek out some help. Um, You're not alone or seek out help through your community of other friends and moms. I think that can be helpful to find some positive um, role models in terms of their marriages and relationships to help encourage you when you're feeling kind of stuck. Um, That can be incredibly powerful. Uh, The next is that um, one thing at a time, I feel like changing one tiny little thing in the dynamic of your relationship can sometimes make such a massive impact. And so is there one thing you could change today at this moment that feels manageable and start there? Because just, you know, just sending a compliment, kissing your partner first thing when they walk in the door, when you first see each other at the end of the day, any of these things can change the tone of the relationship in an instant and and, um, be a really powerful change for such a little amount. Um, and the last is that sometimes we don't um, feel like making changes and if we wait around until we feel like it it will never happen so it can be really powerful to act differently before you actually feel different and usually the feelings will follow over time so um, acting kind of as if it's like a famous uh, theory from a psychologist is acting as if that can be incredibly powerful when you just feel really stuck. So it's similar to fake it till you make it. But um, if you're waiting for the feelings to come, it just might take too long.
0: So behave different before you feel different. It's my last oh, piece. I like right. that. I like that a lot. Um, can you tell the listeners a little more about your rock solid marriage course?
1: Sure. So our rock solid marriage course is our online version of our couples course. And this course is, uh, it's actually been taught to millions of people around the world in live settings. It's a really great course where we teach basically two things. We teach how to be a rock solid partner and what that looks like, and then also how to maintain the closeness of the bonds of your relationship. So we teach what exactly is a relationship what are the components that make up a relationship? And then we provide a practical plan for managing each of these areas. And so you can maintain closeness um, throughout the course of your marriage. And it comes with a downloadable workbook, comes with an um, assessment, which has been around forever, It's is amazing, called The Couple Checkup. It's a $35 value, and we include it in every course, and it's over six hours of content. So it's super super powerful and we talked about i'm offering 25 percent off a course
0: using code soul care so we would love for you to check it out love it love it and i'm i'll be linking to that in the show notes as well for the Great. listeners thank you um where else can they find you your website social media all that good stuff yeah so they can
1: find me on instagram at my love thanks and then our blog which is there's new blog posts every single week at my love thanks.com. And you can find
0: us there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for yes, coming on today. My pleasure. And just,
1: thank you. The knowledge you so that
0: you have is, I think, so needed, especially in this season of life and marriage where there's little ones in the picture now. And I just think that you are an incredible source of wisdom and encouragement. Um, and what it means to build that rock-solid marriage. I love it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It was such a nice compliment. I'm just such an honor to be on the show. So thank you for having me.